You're listening to The Journey Podcast. The Journey is a college and young adult ministry of South Crest Baptist Church. We hope this podcast helps you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus. Hey, I'm grab a seat. We're going to change up a little bit tonight and uh, do some more singing later. Hey, do y'all, and I mean this in, in all seriousness, don't y'all love Allie's like freedom and passion when she leads? Isn't that cool? Oh, look at that. <laughs> not really, it's awesome. What's funny, this is totally not a part of what we're talking about tonight, but Allie, I remember one time we were talking, where's Abby Copeland? We were in the car in Colorado on a mission trip, kind of, and <laughs> it was like mission trip slash fun trip, and Allie was saying, because she's a little bit more reserved and shy. You probably like, don't like that I'm talking about you right now, right? She's a little more reserved and shy. Um, but when she gets up here and does what God has created her to do, she's like doesn't care what you think about her, which is really cool, right? And I want to encourage you that when you are doing what God's created you to do, whether that's mechanical engineering, God did not wire me to do that, <laughs> or whether that's um, going and chasing hurricanes on the East Coast, like, Maybe Tyler thought he might do, or like Aaron, his buddy. Got, I actually saw Aaron on the news. That's really cool. Um, when you're doing what God created you to do, it creates a freedom to, to worship him through whatever that is. So that's really, really cool. Um, like I said, it has nothing to do with what we're talking about tonight. I just thought about that. Anyways, y'all doing good? Yeah. Hey, in case you missed it, I just want you to know, not that it really matters, but the reason we're in here tonight is there was another event um, at the church tonight that they really needed to use the venue where we normally meet. And because we're a team and family, is not just about the journey. But like, hey, that's cool. And so that's why we're in here tonight. And uh, next week we'll be back in there. I just want you to know um, that's why we're in here. So, hey, if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn to the book of Romans. I'm going to be honest. We're going to be a little bit uh, everywhere in the book of Romans tonight. But, uh, yeah, that's where we'll be, in the book of Romans. And if you're like, where in the world is that? If you have to use the table of contents, there is no shame in that at all. <clears throat> And while you're turning there, I'm just going to say another quick word of prayer. I know Allie just prayed, but I'm going to say a quick word of prayer. God, thank you for this group tonight. And I just ask that you would speak to us, Lord, that you would stir our hearts for you um, and our love for you, God, that we would be closer to you tonight, God, because of, because of your word and because of the songs we get to sing and because of the conversations we get to have. And I ask also, um, God, that through what happens tonight, you begin to crush anxiety in our lives, God, and begin to remove it through your spirit. Lord, we know that we can't do it on our own. We need you to show up and to work in our lives. God, I know um, we're getting already to that point in the semester where they have things weighing on them, whether that be work, whether that be exams or papers or whatever. And I pray that we would just give those things to you right now, God, not be stressed by them, but trust you with them and that we can maybe draw a little circle around those and move them over to the side in our brain and just focus on you tonight and for what you have for us. It's in your name we pray. Amen. How many of y'all know uh, Richard, the high school pastor here at the church? Some of y'all. Hey, by the way, I, I'm Angel. I'm going to risk it. I'm going to come down here because I just feel so distant from y'all, and I want to be closer to y'all. Is that cool? <laughs> um, Angel's like, don't do it, bro. Hopefully it won't cause problems with the sound. I'll just stay really close. Get low. I just say get low. <laughs> That's weird. <laughs> Thanks, Deb. Um, so Richard, the high school pastor, and I went to, went to high school together back in the day in, in Glen St. Mary, Florida. And every day, I'm not lying, every day for halfway through our junior year and our entire senior year, we would sit together, uh, lunch in the cafeteria, and we, that's another, I could tell you a bunch of stories about that. But every day, he always went through the line before me. We, were, we definitely like 
ate the cafeteria food. We actually started a club because we loved the cafeteria food so much. I know that's weird. Anyways, but every day he would go through the line before me, and he would sit down before me. And I, w- I would, I'm not telling you this to make you think I'm spiritual because I'm not that spiritual. But we would sit down, and I would always say a quick prayer for my food. And every time he would steal something off my plate. <laughs> and now he would always eventually, dude, what's up, Jordan? He would, always, he would always give it back to me, but he would always, like, normally it was my chocolate milk, which is so gross, right? Like, did y'all do, y'all do that in high school? No? <laughs> maybe, it's a, maybe it's a Florida thing, but, like, you'd be eating, like, taco buildup and drink some chocolate milk. <laughs> That's so gross. Anyways, he would steal my chocolate milk or french fries or whatever every day. Well, um, our senior year, the, the, like, probably two days before we graduate, we're at this little place in Glen St. Mary. If you ever go visit, it's called, uh, I think it's called George's Restaurant. It used to be called Ronnie's. Anyways, we're, we're sitting down to, uh, I think it was lunch. And, again, it's like day or two before we graduate. He's been doing this for like a year and a half. And he says, hey, I'll pray for the food. And I'm like, this is it. Like, <laughs> I'm going to steal something from his plate, right? So he goes to pray. And so I take like two or three French fries. And... <laughs> And he gets done praying, and I didn't even realize it. There's this older couple sitting beside us. And as soon as he finishes praying, they look at me and they say, Young man, that is not even right. <laughs> and I'm like, How do you? Of course, and then Richard, because my dad was a pastor at our home church, and Richard's like, I know, and his dad's a pastor. Can you believe him? <laughs> And I'm like, you can't explain. Like, this fool's been taking my food every day for a year and a half, right? <laughs> Couldn't explain it. So, they, like, they just ended up roasting me, right? And it really was, like, one of those moments. They're just shaking their head and, like, man, the world is changing, right? It's <laughs> going down the tubes. Um, I tell you that because it's funny. I didn't even, like, really realize they were there. I don't think they even really, like, acknowledged we were sitting beside them until I had, in their eyes, done something wrong, right? And I tell you that because I think oftentimes, the more I get to know you, the more I get to know me, I think... That sounds weird, but the more I get to know myself, <laughs> I'm not schizophrenic. Uh, I really do think that a lot of us, even as Christians, have this view of God that our perception is that he doesn't even really acknowledge us or see us or even know that we exist until we do something wrong. Now with me? I'm seeing a lot of heads nod. That he's just kind of waiting to, to get on to us, so to speak. Another story, <clears throat> I remember going, I don't know how old I was, probably like, I don't know, first or second grade, somewhere in there. And it was coming around to baseball season, um, you know, like a lot of little kids played baseball or whatever. And so I remember I wanted, <coughs> excuse me, some Nike cleats. And we were at the, the mall in Jacksonville, Florida, where we grew up. By the way, go Jaguars. Anyways, um, and so I remember we'd walk past a Foot Locker or something, I don't know, and I saw some cleats that I wanted, and I told my parents, like, oh, man, can I get those Nike cleats? That would be awesome. And my parents said, you know, we'll get, we'll get you some cleats. We're going to come back by later. Just, yeah, we'll get you some. Well, the, I still could remember this because it became an issue. You'll find out. But we, we kept walking around. I kept bringing up to them, hey, can I get those cleats? Can I get those cleats? And it kept turning into, they kept saying, yeah, we're going to get them for you. Like, we're going to come back by the store. Just, we got you. Relax. And it got so bad, and I fully support my parents in this. I promise they're not bad or mean parents. But it got so bad that by the end of the afternoon of shopping, <clears throat> they said, Brandon, you've asked us so much and chose not to trust us that to, to teach you a lesson, we're actually not going to get you the cleats, and you're actually going to get a spanking. They're <laughs> just like, roasted! <laughs> right? um, and the, the bad thing was we, went to, we were going to a movie after shopping, and so I had to sit through the whole movie not enjoying it, because I knew when I got home, my tail was going to get tore up, right? And so, and again, very godly way. It wasn't like abuse or anything. And so, um, 
But I remember in all seriousness, we got home and we had a really good conversation after this spanking. <laughs> uh, my parents talked to me about the fact that they were going to take care of me. Like they were going to provide for me. So there was no reason for me to freak out and worry and ask over and over again, are you going to get what I feel like I need? Which again, did I really need Nike cleats? Probably not, right? Like, like yes, I did. Yes, actually. No, I, I really didn't. Um, but it wasn't, it wasn't about the Nike cleats for them as much as, why don't, why don't you trust us? Like, we're, you know us. We're going to provide for you. You know that we love you. You need to trust us. Again, I think, even as Christians, a lot of anxiety in our lives is caused by feeling like, man, God doesn't really know I exist. He only really cares to talk to me when I do something wrong, like the old people at the restaurant. And, and beyond that, like, I don't, I'm not sure he's really going to provide. I'm not sure he really hears what I'm, what, I'm, what I'm wanting from him. And so we worry and we fret. Are y'all with me? I, I don't want to say too much of where I'm going, but um, if y'all will put up, Ryan, if you'll put up that first slide, um, kind of the approach we're taking tonight. This is, we normally go through like one specific passage, but you could almost say this is a little bit more like of a little bit of a systematic theology kind of look at Scripture tonight. But here's kind of the idea we're looking at. How living in the shadow, excuse me, <laughs> how living in the shadow of the cross drives back the shadows of anxiety. I, what I want to talk to us about, I think if we can get a, or really be reminded of some gospel truths and God's goodness and love for us and care for us as seen in the cross. I think living in that shadow, what, like the statement says, will help drive back shadows of anxiety. Are you all with me? And so we're going to be looking kind of at several different things in the book of Romans. Um, so I know I told you to turn to Romans. If you would turn to chapter 5 of Romans, Romans chapter 5. And while you're turning there, I'm going to have Ryan go ahead and put up that first point um, just to make it as clear as possible for you. So here's the first thing we're going to see. The cross reminds me that God loves me even at my worst. The cross reminds me that God loves me even at my worst. And this is a, a, probably, if you grew up in church, probably a familiar verse. This is Romans. I want to read Romans. We'll start, we'll start in verse 6 of chapter 5. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. Here's verse 8. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Y'all, we should never get over this truth. That God loves you even on your worst day. I think a lot of us have this idea that like, we kind of feel like we go back and forth with God. Like when I, when I really nail it in a minute, I get up early and I do my devotional after prayer walking around the campus. No one does that. But like I do all these things. I'm very loving and kind. Then on those days that God really loves me and cares for me. No, this says that even at your worst, even when you can care less, give a rip about God, knowingly choose to turn away and sin from him, he cared about you enough, loves you enough to do what? To die for you. A brutal Sinner's death on the cross. Question, does, does God care for you? Absolutely. Because most of us, to kind of unpack this idea of the idea that like for a good person, one might dare to die. Most of us, the reality is the only time we show love to people or have the time for people is if they are, quote, good to us. What they have 
to offer to us. God says, nine about that. <laughs> even at your worst, even when you completely fail and fall on your face, and you're just a sick, evil, messed up person, which we are, even on that day, I love you enough to die for you on a cross. Now you're like, now, Brandon, what does that have to do with anxiety? And I'm like, hey, thank you for asking. <laughs> I think it proves, like I said, just kind of in the introduction, that God does care about you. He does see you. He's not just a little, like, old elderly person who we love, old people, but he's not just a little elderly person sitting across from you and waiting, just, just acknowledging you when you do something bad. If, if that's your perspective of God, and that is mine, unfortunately, sometimes, no wonder we walk around with anxiety, right? But when you understand the God of the universe loves you and cares for you enough to die on the cross for you, yeah, he, he, not, he doesn't just care for me. Like, he, he, he loves me. This is a really, um, this is an illustration that does not do it justice, not even close. But I remember when, when Lauren and I got married and we came out here, it somehow it helped solidify in my mind her love for me. And let me. By the way, I, mean, I hate that some of the new students haven't haven't gotten a chance to meet Lauren as much, just because we're in this new phase of life with the babies. But I promise you'll be seeing her more and more as we figure this parent thing out. Um, but she really is awesome. But I remember when we came out here, it solidified in my mind when I realized she was leaving everything she had ever known in in Florida, leaving family, leaving friends. Really, she she knew nothing out here. Didn't have a job lined up. Nothing. In a sense, you could say she was coming out here just for me. How foolish would it have been in the coming weeks and months after we got out here to be like, I just don't know if she loves me. I just, I just don't know if she really cares, if she like is interested in my life. She'd have been like, are you freaking kidding me, right? Like I left everything I've known and loved to come out here because I love you. She would have, she would have a right to be like, Brandon, what's the deal, right? Like trust me, trust that I care. I don't think God gets irritated with us like that, but I think he would every, have every right. When we worry and fret, does God care? Does he see me? I think he's saying, hey, I left the throne of heaven to come and die on a cross for you. Bro, girl, I love you. <laughs> I care about you. I see you. It's not just that, like, I, I, I see you. I, I care. Now, I don't know what you're facing, but I think when you, you remember, when you look to the cross, remember that, man, that is proof, that is evidence that he cares for you, that pushes back anxiety a little bit, right? That the God of the universe loves me enough to die for me, yeah, that pushes away the anxiety a little bit because I know he's got my back. So again, number one, the cross reminds me that God loves me even at my worst. Let's go to number two. We'll put it on the screen. The cross reminds me that God will ultimately deliver me from me. What does that mean? <laughs> Turn to Romans chapter 7. Man, this is one of my favorite passages. And I'm going to be honest, I hope, so if you're not a Christian, I want you to lean into this and hear this. But I'm just going to be straight up with you. If you're not a Christian, this is about to not make sense. Like, I don't know how else to say it. You're just going to be like, I've never experienced that. I mean, well, you may have experienced it in a different way. But if you're not a Christian, I just don't think this is going to make sense to you. Um, so I just want to be honest with what's going on there. Um, that's not to say we're like Christians are better. It's just to say it just, it's something you probably haven't experienced. So in chapter 7, um, Paul's been building this case for about how like even as Christians, like 
even though we're forgiven and seen through the blood of Christ and the cross, like, and that we're, like we're forever justified and, and free and forgiven and saved, that still God calls us to, to live a holy life and to live for him. And um, that being said, let, let's jump into, I think I want us to start in verse 15 of chapter 7. He says, For I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now let's stop for a second. What he's talking about, he's saying, so as a believer with the Holy Spirit living inside of me, I know there's things that I should do, right? Like be loving, be kind, be patient, share the gospel, forgive other people. He's saying, I know I should do those things. And what's he saying? I don't always do those. And then he says, I do instead, what's he say? The things I hate. Right? You ever done that? Like, I think about the times that, like, I'll say something and walk away. I'm like, I am a total jerk. Like, I don't even, like, I hate my life right now. Right? Like, why did I say? That's what Paul's saying. And he says, let's pick back up in verse 16. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. So I'm a little bit schizophrenic right now, right? For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. Carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Anybody feel like they've been there? Anybody there today? <laughs> Hallelujah. Okay. Uh, verse 20. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. And I don't think he's making excuses. I think like, that's he's, it's good theology. Verse 21, so I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. Man, so true, right? And annoying. <laughs> like I was talking with a bro the other day, and it's like, we want to do the right thing. Maybe we come to worship, and you get all fired up. And then, like, you go to your dorm or your apartment, and within minutes, like, you're, you're finding yourself in sin, whatever that may be, right? It's like, you, and you look at yourself in the mirror, you're like, what is wrong with me? Like, I'm a sick person. That's what Paul's that's what he's saying. 22, for I delight in the law of God in my inner being. But I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am. Who will deliver me from this body of death? Whew. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen is right, Deborah. <laughs> and what, to sum it up really simply, I think he's saying, he, he's being very honest. He said, I am a mess. Like, as a Christian, I know I should do the right thing, but I always keep messing up. And I don't want to do the right thing, and I do that. I am a mess. I want to grow in Christ. I'm not, I have all these, these words within me of, like, wanting to serve the Lord, but then wanting to serve, like, my impulses and flesh. Who's going to rescue me from me? I think all of us, even if you're not a Christian, I think all of us somewhere deep down inside know that our biggest problem is ourselves, right? Well, I think some of us, we do play like the victim card sometimes. And sometimes like, we blame things like, I'm, I'm this way because of my circumstance or whatever. Um, but all of us, I think, the older you get, you realize that's why, that's why moving doesn't solve anything. I mean, it's not wrong to move. Sometimes, sometimes moving can provide new opportunities. But you can never get away from you. Right? So Paul says, I, I'm a mess. Who's going to deliver me from me? And what is the answer? Jesus. Jesus. 
And the idea is that ultimately, so, so yes, Jesus, and this is back up for a second, use some big Bible words. So the cross, at the cross, when Jesus said, it is finished, he provided justification, meaning salvation, so that God looks, looks at you as though you've never sinned because he credits you with the goodness of Jesus, right? And that Jesus paid the price for your sins, so you're justified. And then what happens, the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit singular, begins, yeah, again, singular, the Holy Spirit begins to sanctify you, the process of sanctification, where he's making you more like Christ, right? He's changing you. And ultimately, what happens, the process of salvation is glorification, where, and that's what it talks about later in Romans, that you're, you're ultimately, you'll be made perfect and whole and one day be with God in heaven, right? So, Yes, the deliverance happens. It started with justification. It's happening, happening in sanctification, and it will ultimately be fulfilled in glorification. So here's what the cross proves and reminds me, that what God started, he will what? He will finish. It's, it's Philippians uh, 1.6, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. The cross reminds me that God will ultimately deliver me from me. You're like, again, Brandon, what the world does that have to do with anxiety? Thank you for asking another great question. <laughs> I think as Christians, so often, especially like in the Bible be- Belt, <laughs> Bible Bay, <laughs> the Bible Belt culture, I think anxiety can come from realizing that we're a mess and realizing we can't fix ourselves. So, man, what's wrong with me? What if I never get over this? You know what? You on your own will never get over it. You may face anxiety till the day that you die. But on that day, Jesus Christ will deliver you. And my prayer is that way before then, God delivers you from whatever it is you're facing. Again, you weren't made to fix you. Jesus does that. So you don't have to stress and worry. What if I don't ever get this figured out? What if, what if I can't fix it? That's why you have a Savior. <laughs> and his name is not Brandon or Levi or Jenny or Kiwan or Autumn. His name is Jesus. The cross reminds me that God will ultimately deliver me from me. Let's look, go to the third thing. The cross reminds me that God works all things for good. Turn to Romans 8. Uh, yeah, we just finished 7. Romans 8, um, and we're going to look at verse 26. And let's just say this. There's, a, there's the potential and the temptation with this verse, and you've probably unfortunately been the recipient of this at some point. There's the temptation to use this as like a, a peace bomb in people's lives, like, like a little grenade. Like, oh, you're going through some hard times? God works out things for good. A little grenade, right? Like when you do that, you literally, you, it's like a grenade of frustration. There's nothing more frustrating than when, you, when, some, when you're go, personally going through a hard time and somebody be like, hey, man, I don't really get it, but God works all things for good. Catch you later, bro. And you're like, I'm about to fight you, right? <laughs> so don't go there on me. But let's, let's read it. Let's think about it for a second. Romans 8, verse 26. He's been talking about the di- in the previous verses, the difficulties we go through and how the Spirit works in our lives and, and interceding for us. That's where we're about to get, verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Let's just time out there for a second. You ever been praying, anxious about something? You're like, God, I don't even know what to pray for. That's a real biblical, like, uh, truth. And when when you get to that point, don't get mad, don't get anxious, because you know what? 
the Holy Spirit's like, I got you, bro. Let me pray for you. <laughs> like, seriously. You don't have to freak out about, I can't, I don't even know what to pray about. So let's keep reading. Verse 27. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he for, excuse me, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Man, this is so cool. (laughs) Only God could do this. Only God has the ability to take terrible, wicked, messed up circumstances and, and use them for good or create good from them, right? Now let's, before we get too far with this, notice that I think ultimately says, what is the good? Um, look at verse 29. It's about his plan, his purpose. Ultimately, what's the good that he's going to bring about? Look about halfway through verse 29. Predestined to be what? Convor- conformed, not convored. Conformed, sorry. Conformed to the image of his son. So let's just be real, real quick. The good that, it, that the Bible's talking about is not always what you have in mind. Right? The good is to make you like who? Jesus. Let's let that sink in for a second. It's not always like, God, I don't know, you're going to give me what I want. That's cool, right? Like, no. The good is he's going to make you like himself. Which, is that a good thing? Yes. 100%. Again, if you don't know Jesus, you're like, I don't get that. Hey, it's okay. Like, one, one day I hope you will, right, as you get the gospel. But when you fix your eyes on Jesus to see how beautiful and wonderful and powerful and amazing he is, you're like, man, to be conformed, to be made like him, that's pretty sweet, right? But I think another example of this is in uh, the book of Genesis, where Joseph went through all kinds of crap. We don't have time to go through that. But Joseph, over and over again, went through mess. Here's the crazy, I'm talking so fast, sorry. Here's the crazy thing about Joseph's story. He kept doing the right thing, and things kept getting worse. Right? A lot of us have had this idea of like, I'm going to do the right thing for God. He's going to bless me. Joseph kept doing the right things. Like, his integrity was increasing, and his situation was going like this, down the tubes, right? Like, this dude, straight up, a a beautiful woman married to this high-ranking official was coming on to him, and he straight up ran. Like, ran the other way. I don't know if there's a, did I say that Did I say that right? Okay, so people were looking at me funny. I was like, did I say that right? Yeah. Um, not, I don't know, dudes, maybe any that would do that today. Man of integrity. Still, things ended up a mess. Now, in the end, again, don't have time to go into the whole story. But in the end, God used him to provide for like, that part of the world, really the world at that time, um, in a famine. And his brothers come to him who had started that whole mess, and they're all upset and apologizing. And Joseph says, no, no, no. What you meant for evil, God, what? Meant for good. Because God is sovereign and omnipotent, which fancy word means he's all-powerful. Sovereign means he's in control. Even what people may mean for evil, and they may freak you out and stress you out, and God can use it for good. Here's what I want to say. There's no more beautiful and clear picture than that, or of that than the cross. There has never been a more, a, a more terrible but like, uh, perfect demonstration of the wickedness and evil and fallenness of humanity than the cross of Christ. To crucify the perfect, innocent God himself. 
That is the lowest humanity has ever been in that specific moment. But from it, God was accomplishing the greatest thing we could ever imagine. Forgiveness and hope and peace and a reconciled relationship with God. God does make beauty from ashes. He makes beauty from dust. The cross reminds me that God works all things for good. I don't know if Julia, Julia, you in here? I don't see her. The Copeland, we'll pick on Abby and Julia. Man, they can, I don't know where they get it from, maybe their grandparents and their mom. Them girls can bake. I'm serious. They can like, have they ever offered to bring you some cookies or something? Don't think about it. Just say yes. Like even if you're trying to be healthy, just say yes. Just do it. And then bring them to me. Um, they can cook. And if you know anything about cooking, when you're cooking, some of those ingredients are like on their own. That's just gross. Nobody's like, dude, you want some baking soda? Yeah, right? Like on their own, it is not good. <laughs> so, uh, some of you are like, actually, I enjoy baking soda. <laughs> on their own, they are not good. Because they're incredible chefs, bakers, they can take all the ingredients and make something wonderful. <laughs> so that's what God does. He, he takes things that on his own, you're going, I don't know how this is good. And God says, hey, just trust me with this. I'm like the ultimate chef. I got this. <laughs> and he creates something beautiful and wonderful. And you might not concede at the time what it is. So be patient. It may not be until we get to heaven that we say, whoa, all right, God. I was freaking out and worried and stressed and what was going on. But now I can see you were doing something good. I'll be honest, there may be situations you face that all, all it just it brings anxiety and worry in your life because you can't see, like, man, this is, all just seems bad. You can rest and trust in the fact that God works all things for good. Let's keep moving. We're almost done. The fourth thing, let's put that up there if you don't mind. The cross reminds me that God will always take care of me. This is our last one. Turn to Romans um, chapter 8, you're already in 8, and look at verse 31. Romans chapter 8 Verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? And again, he's been talking about God's goodness and his plan for your life and how he works all things for good and much more than that. He says, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give all things. What's the implication there? What's he implying? God's got you. He's going to take care of us. To be really like specific to what it says, you're right. But he gave us his son. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? What's he saying? Yes! Oh, I like the way you said that. I like what y'all said, dude. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, Yes, if he gave you Jesus, you can trust he's going to take care of you and not hold anything back that you need, right? The cross is the track record you look at for God's goodness to you. When I look at the cross of Jesus, there should be no doubt in my mind that not only that he sees me and cares about me, but he's going to provide what I need. He met my greatest need on the cross. If he gave me Jesus, why should I fret if he's going to provide what I need today, right? He took care of me tomorrow, long before when I was a sinner who cared nothing about him, he's going to take care of me today as his child. Amen? He's going to give me what I need. I can look at his track record. It makes me think about, if you've ever been whitewater rafting, sometimes, like, it's, like, you kind of do it like in a 
way that you're trying not to like let them know that you're really asking. But as you meet your your uh, what do you call it? like not your guide but like your guide your uh, your raft guide I guess. Um, see that like that motion. Um, you meet them you're kind of like so oh, that's cool. Like, how long have you been doing this? And to say like it's my first year you're like oh <laughs> and like what how, how many trips have you done? Like I'll be go every day. That's cool. Like I'm just curious like how often does your boat flip? <laughs> like it's kind of a fair question because. Like, what are you, you're asking because you're trying to figure out, can I trust you? Like, what is your track record? Y'all, the cross, what he's saying here, the cross of Jesus is God's track record. You can trust him. He loved you to the point of death. He gave himself to the point of death on the cross. You can trust. He will provide what you need. As McKinley said, he got you. He's going to take care of you. He knows what you need. If I could sum up all these truths together, I think it's, you could say it the way Paul says it in verse 31. If God is for us, who can be against us? Y'all, God doesn't just see you. He doesn't just kind of like, oh yeah, I like them, they're pretty good guys. He is for you, so much so that he died for you. Living in the shadow of the cross drives back the shadows of anxiety. Because when you realize that God is not just 98% for you, but that he is 100% for you, that changes everything. Like John Piper says it right. So many of us live in that 2% of like, yeah, God's good, he loves me, but like, but what if he's mad at me? Like, what if he sees me still, my buddy's French fries while he's praying? Right? Like, like, what, what, if, what if he's, like, it's like this, what if, like, what if he's not really for me? No, the gospel, the shadow of the cross tells us he is 100% excuse me, for you. He loves you and cares for you. So what have I to dread? What have I to fear? As the old hymn says. Our buddy Walt, he, he's spoken at fall retreat before. And I'll, I'll close with this. He's often used an illustration of he's standing before a crowd like this and saying, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of y'all in here. And like if all y'all, if I said something you didn't like and y'all decided like y'all were going to come jump me by myself, I would have the right to be scared, right? <laughs> but if I had a lion up here, I'm like, let's go, right? <laughs> because if, the lion, if a lion is by my side, like, I mean, some of y'all dudes are big, but it's a lion, right? If this lion's got my back, then I don't care what I have to face. Like, it may be scary, but this lion's got me. If you are a child of God, if you know Jesus Christ, as the Bible says, the lion of Judah not only cares about you and sees you, he is for you. He's got your back. And you are going to face lots of crap in this world. Jesus said, you will face tribulation in this world, but take heart for what? I have overcome the world. He's saying, don't be scared. This world is going to be hard, but I got you. And what is your proof of that? What is your solid ground that you can stand on no matter what you face to know and rest secure that he's got you, that he is for you, and that is the what? The cross. Living in the shadow of the cross drives back the shadow of anxiety. So here's what I want to tell the person tonight that's sitting here going, bro, I hear you, but like, I'm facing some stuff right now that's weighing on me. I am anxious. I am worried. 
Jesus on the cross has provided victory for you once, he'll do it again. Jesus on the cross has provided freedom for you once, he'll do it again. But y'all can't guess what song we're about to sing. (laughs) Jesus on the cross has provided freedom for you, he'll do it again. I don't know what you're facing, but the cross is proof that he is for you, he loves you, and he sees you. We're going to sing a little bit and respond, and I want to rush this time as we sing. The band's going to start coming this way, worship team, whatever you want to call them. (laughs) I just want to say this. Since we have a little extra room tonight, I guess we do in the venue too, but it just feels like there's more room right here. Um, We're going to sing. And if it's helpful to you, don't feel any pressure. This is not like if you're super spiritual. I'm not saying that. But if you feel like it would be helpful to come and like kind of view this as like a place to just kind of kneel before God and talk to him, then please do that. Like, uh, please feel free. Again, there's not pressure. It's not for the super spiritual. It's just like if it would be helpful to come kind of have a little quiet space to yourself to kneel before God and just like pour out your heart to him, then then again, feel free to do that. I'm going to be in the back. And if you just like someone to come pray for you, I'll be happy to do that. And if we get a line, then I'll get some folks to help me. And if that's not you, I'm just going to ask that while we sing through these songs, you fix your eyes on the proven goodness of God on your behalf through the cross. Y'all with me? I want to pray. Amen. Let's, let's, let's connect with God. Let's meet with Him. God, thank you so much for your word and for the fact that you are for us, that we can rest in that truth. And God, I pray that as we sing, we would just enjoy thinking about your proven goodness for us. God, we love you and ask that we'd be bold. If we need to come down front, if we need to, if we need to pray with somebody, whatever it is, God, that we would, that we would respond. We love you. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Journey Podcast. You can learn more about The Journey by checking us out on Instagram or Facebook. Just search for at the journey LBK.